Hey there, welcome back to the California Work Comp Report Podcast. Today is Tuesday, March 5th, 2019, and I'm your host, Corey Olson, back at it again with Dr. John Alchemy to discuss the crucial difference between aggravation and exacerbation as they relate to workers' compensation claims. And today we are talking about exacerbation versus aggravation and how that ties into work restrictions and functional limitation. John, I was reading a little bit into aggravation and exacerbation and what the difference is between the two as it's defined. Actually, the question is, where are those defined? Yeah, those those terms are actually legal definitions. Um, They're not really um, impairment definitions per se. Mm -hmm. Um, Although the AMA guides, um, fifth edition does talk about um, things such as uh, exacerbation and aggravation. Um, but, but what we want to talk about here today is, you know, what, what's the practical understanding of what those two words mean and why are they so easily confused? Um, and, you know, how do we practically apply them to cases? Mm-hmm. So if my understanding is correct, exacerbation is when an injured worker has a pre-existing condition and then they get injured on the job and then after they reach MMI, after they reach maximal medical improvement, they are kind of back to where they were before the injury ever happened. So, so my back hurts on, on a scale of one to 10, it's a two. I get injured in that same part of my body. Uh, the pain is now a five, but after MMI, after I'm all healed up and everything, the pain is back down to a two. Whereas aggravation is my preexisting condition. My pain was at a two. I get injured on the job. I reach MMI. I, meet, I reach maximal, maximal medical improvement. And now my pain permanently is a five out of 10. So whereas exacerbation is a temporary worsening of the pre-existing condition, aggravation is a permanent worsening of the pre-existing condition. Yeah, I think, I think you have that understanding and, and communicated it correctly just now. The, the, the real key um, to the difference between exacerbation and aggravation is understanding the reference baseline. So again, if you did have um, a back pain of three and mm-hmm. uh, rated and made maximally medically improved, meaning that <laughs> you weren't anticipated um, to get any better in the following 12 months um, with or without treatment. You went along with your life and then you, you had, um, we'll just call it um, uh, more back pain. We won't mm-hmm. say it was specifically a new injury or not, but we'll just say more back pain developed. And the real question is, is this related to the old um, injury just flaring up and doing what it normally does? Or is this represent something new and different on top of what was there before? And that is an aggravation. So an aggravation is a permanent change of the baseline from a pre-existing uh, baseline. And it's also interesting to state that you really can't talk about exacerbation um, and aggravation unless you're talking about two possible injuries, right? Mm-hmm. Because you had no pain at all. Now you have pain. There really was nothing to aggravate or exacerbate. So yes. by definition, you have to have you know an injury of at least one pre-existing and possibly two to even start having this discussion. I understand that the two get confused very often, and um, it's actually very important not to mix the two up. Uh, sort of when you're writing the impairment report on a claim, um, could you tell me why it's important not to mix the two up? It's, it's very very important because often a new claim being filed hinges on the answer of this. So that's why it's such a big deal. 
Um, and as we said, you know, exacerbation and aggravation, one means temporary, one means permanent. And the frustrating part of it is, is that the provider will get a letter um, right after someone's hurt. And the letter may say something like this. You know, dear doctor, Mr. Smith, um, as you know, has a pre-existing low back pain from uh, 2014. He was made permanent stationary um, in uh, July of 2015. He now reports a worsening of his symptoms and has filed a new claim with his employer. Can you please determine if his current symptoms represent an aggravation or an exacerbation? Question mark. That is the common letter. And that is where confusion starts because, as we said, exacerbation just means temporary. So, so we don't know really if, if the second um, worsening uh, symptoms are due to a new injury and are permanent or not until the individual has gone through the usual treatment and diagnostic workup. So basically, they want us to answer that question at the front end when actually it cannot be answered until the back end. Yeah, that's so, ridiculous. Yeah. It, it, well, yeah, it's just, it's just not practical. So, you know, what I typically say in response to this is that, you know, Mr. Smith is now presented with um, symptoms that are above his um, uh, pre-existing baseline. All right. And then I say, I'm unable to determine if his present symptoms at this point in treatment and diagnostic testing represent a permanent or temporary worsening of the condition, you know, and, and then um, I can say, it is up to the insurance carrier to determine if this individual should presently be treated under a new date of injury or treatment should be attempted under the old date of injury, at which time treatment is complete. I can then answer your question. Mm. Yeah. And sort of as the way that uh, impairment reports and everything go, you, you can't say whether it's been exacerbated or aggravated until the impairment report. So, Yeah. Why are you asking? <laughs> Why are they asking? Um, but I mean, I, I guess that sort of goes hand in hand. They've opened a claim. Let us know when you know, maybe. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the end game here is well intended, but it's just not practical. So the end game really is if it, if it, is, um, if it is an aggravation, mm. the individual is basically going to need a new claim number, um, a new thread of treatment, and a new impairment rating and apportionment, mm. okay, at the end of the treatment when that condition is determined to be aggravated and not getting any better. And this kind of goes back to some of the foundational things we talk about. Whoever is listening to this podcast, do not ever allow a case to be closed as discharge is cured with PR2, because this is the exact problem that you will face when you close cases incorrectly and an impairment rating is not done accurately and completely. You have no way of knowing what the baseline impairment is of the claim. Okay. And that's sort of take home number two today from this podcast. So if you're listening out there, whoever you are, do not accept cases being closed as discharge is cured without an impairment rating. Just a word to the wise. Based off of everything that we've talked about, I didn't even know that claims could be closed without impairment. So that's new to me. Well, it should be new to you because legally they, they can't be, or they shouldn't be, but, but it shouldn't, it shouldn't be knowledge in my head at all. <laughs> you, you, would be, you would be surprised how often um, cases are, are just discharged as cured, basically without any paragraph at the end of the claim or period at the end of the sentence for the claim. Um, you know, and, and in my opinion, that happens simply because, A, 
um, providers are not um, well equipped to to provide impairment ratings. B, they don't really think that it's important. And C, the other stakeholders may be motivated to accept a 0% with no residuals you know, for um, whatever, whatever reasons. However, that is not the way that the system is intended to work. And, and when cases are closed without an impairment rating, basically the stakeholders have no idea of what the baseline is, um, what apportionment would be for the, next, um, uh, for the next claim. And all it really does is it invites um, litigation and rightfully so, for the next time the injured worker gets hurt. So, so there's so many reasons why, why impairment ratings need to be done like the law says they need to be done. And, and for those of you who think the cases can be closed as discharged as cured, you cannot define a 0% impairment without doing an impairment exam, okay? You cannot give an impairment value when no impairment exam has taken place. So, um, that's let's let's call that lesson number two here Mm. absolutely absolutely Mm. so what would sort of be your protocol john uh in terms of somebody comes in they're um the the physician is called by the insurance saying we've noticed they had a pre-existing condition you know etc etc essentially you're you're anticipating there's going to be an exacerbation versus aggravation sort of dichotomy here in the claim what do you recommend to the other physicians uh, how they should how they should follow through with this this particular claim yeah so so it 's actually not that difficult, but unless you have a game plan and some architecture in place it 's very confusing where to start. I always like to start um, and and as the founder of ratefast in in the ratefast platform, <clears throat> when someone comes in and they have a new injury with a pre existing condition, okay the first thing we want to know is what are your pain values today? What's your pain frequency today? And what's your ADL inventory today? Okay, so that's, that's business item number one. And business item number two is before you had this either exacerbation or aggravation, what was your pain value? What was your frequency? And what was your ADL? Because once you have those two points in time, it becomes very, very um, obvious as to A, how much they've, they've gone above their baseline from pain and percentage. That's a very simple answer. And now the, the real question is, B, will they ever go back down to that pre-existing condition? So, so you know, RateFast has a lot of intellectual property, and, and part of that is being able to understand impairment load of an individual. And, and part of determining that is the patient's pain frequency, pain level, and ADL function, um, in addition to some other things. But, but once you have those two, it's very easy to track and understand how much this has gone up. And furthermore, once they get treatment, how quickly they're returning to their baseline, if at all. So, mm-hmm. so if you have the correct tools, it's like any other job. It's very simple and straightforward. But if you don't have the tools or don't understand how to use them or that they even exist, you're going to be totally lost and your opinions are going to be based subjectively and not objectively as they should be. Cross your T's and dot your I's. Um, yes, whenever possible. All right. So in closing, we can see that exacerbation, again, is when you have a pre-existing condition and whether or not it is a sudden abrupt work injury or it is kind of a building, growing of pain over time, it's something that seems to be temporary over the course of a claim versus aggravation, which is it has built, the pain has built onto a pre-existing condition. So those are the two things. We have seen that physicians should see a claim through all at all times 
but especially in in the in the context of this particular conversation here, when an insurance adjuster has brought to the attention of a physician that they indeed have a pre-existing condition in the body part that is affected during the current claim. John, do you have any closing words about exacerbation and aggravation? Yes, I have, I have a couple thoughts on that. So the first thing is, if, if a provider is to make a determination, first of all, if the baseline is shifted at all, you have to have a pre-existing and adequate impairment report. If you don't have that, you're pretty much guessing. Additionally, if the individual did not have a pre-existing impairment report and was not given future care, you're kind of stuck just having a new claim because when a claim is closed incorrectly and there's no future care and they don't find any impairment, et cetera, et cetera, but again, an impairment you know, exam is never done, when, when, when that shortcut is taken, okay, it's actually a very, very costly mistake. Mm-hmm. And, and it essentially forces the stakeholders to say, look, this guy doesn't even have any future care to attempt to treat this condition under right now. So we're going to have to call it a new injury because clearly he's reporting he's gone from, you know, one baseline to another. And it doesn't really matter now because he has no future care because, because someone allowed the case to be closed incorrectly. Mm-hmm. So then you're stuck going forward with treatment under a new claim. Now, if you have the luxury of a treater um, and or an insurance adjuster that had the foresight and understanding to actually get an impairment report, then you can use these terms as they were intended, okay? And so now you have some resources to treat under the old claim if you choose to do that. If he doesn't get better or she doesn't get better, then you can call it an aggravation, open a new claim. And and the key to opening the new claim under an aggravation is that now a second impairment exam is done for new and further disability consideration. Hmm. And so... And, and, and so these things are foundational on one another, one another. And when they're done correctly, you can use the system as the system was designed. So I can now say that, hey, he has, you know, an aggravation. The aggravation, you know, has improved, has worsened his condition 30%. And here's his impairment. Here's his new impairment report. And here's the future care, you know, that he's going to need, you know, to do. And, and then you can assign... Um, the responsibility of future care to the stakeholders appropriately. Maybe the person has a new insurance carrier. Maybe the person has a new employer, you know, and in California, employers only pay for what they caused. So again, if you lose the paper trail and you shortcut on the discharges, um, you're just creating a huge mess um, for the stakeholders, the doctors, the insurance company, and of course um, the injured worker. Great. Thank you so much, John. Mm -hmm. If you would like to know more about how you can avoid mixing up aggravation and exacerbation, slide on over to our blog at blog.rate-fast.com. And if you work in a work comp clinic, give Rate Fast a spin at rate-fast.com.